the context of sound. I love it. It's so good. It's like perfect. Okay. Welcome to the context of sound. That's what we're, that's so, how we're opening it. Yeah. I'm really excited because I think. Oh, where's my coffee? It takes. It's a really important thing to have like it a really a strong. Village, people. It does. It, it's important to have like a really strong like opening, like a theme song. Mm-hmm. In general. And, I, and I, we were talking about this earlier, but I was like, no, let's save it for the podcast because I want to talk about this because it's a very serious problem um, <laughs> that we have forgotten the, the art of the, the theme song. Yeah. Like, it's something that no one seems to give a shit about anymore. Well, yeah, there's like this postmodern sort of like feeling of just that they're kind of corny or that they're... I, I feel like the one thing I will never like, for example... I love the theme song for the nanny a lot. Oh it's my like god! Are you one of my favorites. Me? She was she working at a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens. Then the boyfriend kicked her out. One of those crushing scenes. What? what? Where was she, she to go? Where was she to go? She was out on her fanny. Over the flushing to Jeffield's door. She was there to sell makeup, but the top saw more. She had style. She had class. She was there. What she became? She was there. She was there. Who would have guessed that, that the, the girl, girl to describe would be exactly what the doctor prescribed? Now the father's on the ground and watch out, CC. The kids are just smiling, such a spot of She's a lady in red when everybody else is wearing tan. She's flashing up and flashing. The anything, Wow. You know what I mean? We actually just did that whole thing. We just did that whole fucking thing. I don't honestly remember a single fucking thing that happened in an episode of The Nanny, but I remember that entire theme song like it's the back of my fucking yeah. hand i remember things that happened in that show I re- because i re- i recently went through a little binge of that show <laughs> oh, really? because and it's also impossible to find a, that show that's in a resolution higher than 480 <laughs> dots per inch just it's the best it's the best it's the best friends the best i was just i just watched the beautician and the beast mm. uh which is a classic film also the star seminal uh <laughs> starring um <laughs> Timothy Dalton, my favorite Bond. Uh, oh my God, I forgot that he was even a Bond. It was the worst movie, and I think that's why I really enjoyed him. <laughs> in it. Uh, it was, anyways. Yeah, I, 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 I'm really excited about our new like little jingle. Yeah, to, it's good. It's do you good. want to hear it one more time? Yeah, let's do it. It's the context of sound. Oh God. Oh, also, Jill Sobule was in here, and I'm going to get to her a little bit later. But she, she totally recorded a jingle for us which i recorded into my phone i wonder how it's going to sound if i play it through this microphone it might sound completely garbage but let's let's see two three Thanks, Jill. <laughs> it's so wrong in so many ways. It's the best. Of yeah. It. Okay. Yeah, but there's a lot of great TV themes. Um, Donny Hathaway sang a couple of them, actually. Did you know that? Did you know Donny Hathaway sang the theme song for um, Maud? It's a context of sound. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I don't know why that happened. That was a phantom theme. <laughs> a phantom. A phantom. Um, did you know that Donny Hathaway did that? No, I did not. Yeah, he sung the theme song for Maud and um, what? Moving on up to the 
Um, that was oh yeah, moving on up wasn't to that him as well. Side. No, I don't think was that. It's a quick Google search, I guess. Yeah, let's not. Who let's could be bothered? Yeah. Alexa, Alexa. Who's, <laughs> who sang the theme song? I to, don't invite her. Her mm, stingy ass. She'll probably yeah. just. She'll probably just try just and interrupt at interrupt some point. And be like, "Hey guys, can I? Can I? Can I contribute? No, Alexa, stay in your lane." Yeah, Alexa. <sighs> Anyways, so um, yeah, thanks for listening again. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's 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 exciting to be doing this again uh and that uh we got some good feedback from people um which is exciting that we didn't sound like idiots yeah so that thanks many, for listening maybe we did. Yeah. um if you enjoyed it rate and subscribe yeah that's real important apparently like yeah. those are things that you have to do yeah it's like you know in this beggy thirsty time that we live in mm-hmm. you know those things matter they likes Subscriptions. subscriptions you know it's a it's a numbers game yes yes it's a numbers <laughs> game we got a twitter sam's handling that because twitter stresses me out mm. um but twitter's the, like the only thing that doesn't stress me out i so weird. like the internet makes me so anxious except for twitter i don't know that's i think crazy. maybe because i got into twitter like on the ground floor i own some shares yeah. i don't know <laughs> maybe i was i was like i like from like a like an uh an anthropological standpoint of just like a looking at the world like mm-hmm. twitter is unbelievable uh yeah twitter and it can start a revolution it can save a life it does uh but it's still like i think there's just so much shit and there's so much fuckery on top of it all like that too and i just don't know where to start really but also i will say that i think for some reason twitter is one of the least bullying trolling ones yeah out that's there. what tumblr's for yeah tumblr is really trolly facebook is like the trolliest that is true that is very true so there's no room to be trolly on on yeah. you can be a little bit trolly but then you have to just move on because you've true. ran out of characters true. so what are we talking about this week so this week wait uh, here's a th- wait <clears throat> so do we want to hint as if they don't know probably from the the podcast title what this is going to be but here seven Six, five, four. We've gone for main engine start. We have main engine start. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. It's such like a badass way to start like a fucking revolution. Oh, man. yeah. So launch. This is it. Welcome to MTV Music Television. The world's first 24-hour stereo video music channel. It's bananas to think about, like, how... That was 1981. How unbelievably, like, revolutionary that was. Well, it was already a thing when we were... Like, it was. it's older than we are. Yeah, yeah. So... It's just been around forever. It's, it's forever. like, it's just the only thing I've known. And so, like, the idea that uh, it was this platform that was the only... It, it birthed, like, the idea of, like, how we value music videos in general. I was reading through kind of like the history and like how important obviously MTV was in in music video becoming becoming like the art form that it is now. Mm. Like you think about what what it was in you know 1981, mm-hmm. which was you know pretty basic shit and like basic regular just kind of like here's us just recording let's us uh, performing a, performing this yeah. thing with some sometimes <clears throat> like super weird graphic like early computer graphic overlays yeah. Some weird stuttery Bas- yeah, effect. Yeah, basic stuff. But like to for it to be this kind of thing that is a, a sort of an extension of the song, like it's it's nuts to really think that MTV really was responsible for uh, 
the attention that music videos received mm-hmm. and then therefore the budget and the sort of eventually the, yeah, yeah the eventual budget and like and then just eventually no budget and eventually no budget <laughs> everything is full circle you know yeah. <laughs> um yeah it is crazy um there was there was um a pbs thing that a series on music that they recently did mm-hmm. called sound something <laughs> <laughs> sounds interesting sound, sound something let me Google this. But it was, um, they had a whole episode on on MTV and they were talking about how basically it was like super white. You know, it was just like the whitest thing ever. It was yeah, a it was bunch just, of hair bands yeah, and rock music yeah. and there wasn't really any black music on there. Yeah. And there was a clip of Rick James throwing some well-deserved shade at MTV. You know what's crazy? That the head of like, uh, I think... One of the sound head, breaking, yeah. One of the um, the heads of like I don't know if it was a procurement or something like that was a like a black woman, like she was at MTV, at, MTV at the time. Yeah, uh, when Mr. Rick James, Mr. Rick James uh, had Super Freak out, right? Yeah, yeah. It's bananas that like <laughs> they wouldn't I was play reading, it. They wouldn't play it. Uh, they were and, playing some unknown, some like British band or, or something like, like some that. hair band and rick james was selling 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 records 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 yeah but i think like she said something around the, uh, along the line the terms that like there's a bunch of half naked women in there i don't want this to be like the first thing that like it like is on mtv for like my people or whatever and i was like that's bullshit man like it's 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 crazy to think you know like obviously they always said that like mj like kind of broke the mm-hmm. color barrier exactly it was michael it was michael but you know they were playing other i think they had like some other like british people beforehand and then michael did that and you know then prince started going yeah. on there and um but michael the cbs records who were you know the, that was michael's label and they put out the thriller album they actually held they said to mtv like we won't give you any other of our videos to play if you don't play michael jackson thriller yeah which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. So I was also like looking into, cause I, I was, I've always been really curious about the kind of like, you always hear about the, the, the racism that was going on in, in MTV, but it was weird that they were also saying. I'm so MTV, glad racism is over now. I know. Right. Uh, it's what just a relief. the <laughs> Left that shit in the eighties. Uh, it was a primarily like rock and roll uh, yeah. station. They wanted to, they were all about rock and roll. And I think they kind of used the excuse of uh, the fact that there weren't really any black people making rock and roll music at the time. Oh my god! Um, that they were like, no, we can't. Because they've this. moved on already. <laughs> yeah, but it's just crazy because it was like at the time the popular like landscape, the shit that people were interested in. Like they wanted to dance. Yeah, and that was that was R and B. That was that was dance music. That was pop music. That was MJ. That was Prince. Yeah, that was Tina. Yeah, um, I mean it was Cameo. It was yeah. Parliament. It was all it that was, shit. Yeah. Um, and it just took, it just took that happening. And then they kind of realized once they saw like how successful all that went, that it was like, boom, obviously black people can make good music and they can dance real well and make some flashy visuals and people like to see that shit. It's weird also that like hair bands was such an emphasis of MTV in the Mm eighties and that shit did not hold up. It did like not. no one cares about that anymore at all. It didn't have a resurgence. It yeah. didn't remain relevant. It didn't influence any of the culture really that we have now, no. which is weird. Yeah, I think at the time, like, and really, they continued to become like this really adaptive channel 
uh, to like what people were into. I mean, yes. I was looking into like kind of what they're doing now. And, guys, and not, you, not only what they were into, but what was able to sustain them yeah. and make them money, which we're yeah. going to get to. I'm going to talk about that as part of my yeah. story. But yeah. Did you know that MTV Cribs is on Snapchat now? Yes. I read that on Wikipedia when I was researching. I need to like figure out if it's. Like it's I don't even know or... how that is. a. Th- they just like give them like the Snapchat like login or whatever. And it's like, hey, go nuts. So is it just like 10 second clips of someone's crib? Yeah. Uh, that'd be kind of fun. Or also just, it could possibly be potentially like fucked up. You'd see some crazy shit. So, so MTV. MTV, yeah. So I, th- I think what the, the goal for what we wanted to do today was to talk about um, some specific like programming on MTV. Um, I picked yes. the MTV Unplugged uh, series. Which was amazing. Which is amazing and like a really kind of oddly important series in like my understanding and appreciation for music in a weird in a lot of weird ways. Mm. I'll get into that later, but yeah, I'm excited to dive through that because I I found a lot of, a lot of really interesting things, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. What are you talking about? I'm going to talk about 120 minutes, which is sort of a more of an obscure like alternative I had never heard of it. I did I, It's yeah, I mean it was the thing it was it was like a more underground yeah. side of MTV, but It was on MTV too, right? It was actually originally on MTV, okay. regular MTV. Okay. And then it so well, why don't I just like should I just dive right into it? Yeah, get on into that shit. Let's get into some music. So MTV started like in 1981 mm-hmm. and they and you know, it was primarily playing music videos and stuff like that. And it became like a very commercial, you know, very commercial station Mm -hmm. towards the late 80s. So this show 120 Minutes came out. It started in 1986 and it aired on Sunday nights at midnight. Oh, that's right. From like midnight to 2 Mm -hmm. a.m. So it was like super obscure. It was like this time slot that like, okay, MTV was like, okay, you like indie, like, alternative which weren't even words that they used then Mm -hmm. you guys can have this time slot at from 12 to 2 do whatever the fuck you want on a sunday night when like no one is watching tv it's like infomercial territory Mm -hmm. but people it built this like serious fan base where you know this was like before the internet people the only way people could really find out about new unheard of subculture different music was like their local record shop fanzines Mm -hmm. and or like weird college radio stations Mm -hmm. or this show was mtv yeah Yeah. or mtv in general so it was sort of like this really important beacon that ended up breaking a lot of significant music and culture Mm -hmm. it was started by this (laughs) <laughs> this guy, Dave Kendall, who is a British-born journalist. And I, I love Wikipedia. Oh, someone forgot to put their phone on silent. Amateur hour. Jesus. Um, make it turn your phone off. Phone <laughs> off. I can make it turn your phone off. He was a... Wikipedia is funny as fuck. I fucking love Wikipedia, it's man. It's so funny. It's like, honestly... Wikipedia I, is the shit. I have wasted probably a sum total of months on that website like of, of, of just hours logged i always make sure i, I give them money oh, always because them money. i spend way too much fucking time yeah. on there like if you use wikipedia just throw them a couple of bucks seriously it's an know, unbelievable it's resource. way cheaper than Encyclopedia britannica yeah. ever was 
ever was. And way better. It's way better. You can just like learn about the dumbest shit. Yeah. I spent three hours the other day reading about the history of the Hawaiian monarchy, and I have no idea why. Insomnia or whatever, but like, like to learn. I just like to learn shit. You'll Al- retain also, it. something that I read about the other day on Wikipedia there's this little like squirrel that toured around the United States of America dressed in like uh, little little lady outfits and it was like super popular <laughs> when like in the it was uh, in like the interwar period so they were trying to sell like war bonds and shit like that like right after like right before World War II wow it was like a big deal this little oh this God. a boy it was like a little boy uh, squirrel dressed in like little girl clothes and it was in like the 30s in the 30s and like so, hey like, here's a squirrel one? see see he's dressed as a girl isn't it crazy he's buy some bonds <laughs> buy some bonds <laughs> support the troops <laughs> anyways that's so weird <laughs> um, so what I learned on Wikipedia about Dave Kendall <laughs> the guy who founded 120 Minutes was that he was he lived in LA and he regularly played the LA club scene as a DJ mm-hmm. in trance and he had this like trance compilation that he produced like most stuff. So, weirdly, he was like a trance guy. Yeah. And now he works in Bangkok. Doing what? For TV. Yeah. Bangkok Post TV channel. Okay. Well, let's, let me play some of the stuff that they, they would have interviews and they would have live performances from different artists, um, sort of broken down things. They would have, it was just sort of like anything goes. Mm-hmm. Like there was one where like the Red Hot Chili Peppers were like kind of wrestling the host. There was one of like Beck smashing up some fruits and vegetables. Oh, no, smashing up like a telephone on. Then you would. Is this the show where Bjork was talking about the, te- the her fear of televisions? Like computers. Oh my god! About how the televisions. <laughs> she used to be afraid of them, yeah. but then she like figured out what they. The cutest interview I've ever seen. I don't know if that was, but she was on it a couple of times. Okay. They would have all these interviews. They'd have live performances. Mm-hmm. In 1988, the Sugar Cubes, which was Bjork's old yes, band, yes. went on, and I wanted to play a, a, a second of this interview because in 1988, nobody was talking about same-sex marriage. Yeah, not at all. It no. wasn't even like on the radar. Mm-mm. There wasn't really any gay people or anything queer on TV whatsoever. No. At all. I can't think of anything, no. And um, this interview with the Sugar Cubes, Einar, the one of the guys from the band, is talking about marrying this guy in Denmark where it was legal. Yeah. And this was like on MTV in 1988. I just Jeez. want to play a second of it. Welcome back to 120 Minutes. We're here with Maga and Einar of the Sugar Cubes. Aina, who recently got married, isn't that right, Aina? Well, I made a um, serious attempt to marry Bray. We tried to, you know, tie our knots together because we've known each other for 15 <laughs> years. Oh. And you can marry a man in, man can marry a man in, in Denmark. And we were traveling and we it was just... Copenhagen, Copen, was yeah, Copenhagen. And we applied to get married because we've known each other for 15 years and we never argued. So we thought this would be the best, you know, sort of ingredients for a good marriage and then because I'm i don't even know if this was like a sexual relationship yeah. but the fact that you could Just marry, marry yeah. same sex in denmark in, denmark, in 1988 crazy. is crazy where to go denmark we're an embarrassment to the yeah. world um are they still married i don't know <laughs> but um and then bjork went on the show in 1993 mm. um and performed her song come to me in like an acoustic sort of vibe, which is really cute. Nice. 
She had like tablas, upright bass, and roads. She just puts me in a trance, like yeah. every time. Oh, God, I love Bjork. So yeah, it's amazing. Like the fact that there was an avenue on TV that had those kind of performances on. We don't even have anything like that now. Not in television. Yeah, and also people had to stay up super late and they had to record it. Like people would record this show on VHS, and that was like how a large sum of the audience was built actually from people recording on VHS. One of the really most interesting things about. 120 minutes is that Nirvana's music video for Smells Like Teen Spirit, which is like one of the most definitive iconic iconic videos yeah. of the 90s. Absolutely. It received its world premiere on 120 minutes. No way. Yeah. That's but then crazy. it became so popular that they moved it to like their regular mainstream rotation. Yeah. 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 Which is That's crazy. Yeah. That's kind of cool. So 120 minutes is really responsible for that. Yeah. Breaking through. Um So and, it was like were there were there like in studio performances? There were in actually. I I had Jill Sobule in the studio last week, who's an amazing singer songwriter, one of my favorite people to work with. She's like this sardonic, irreverent, like poetic, yeah, really funny songwriter, and Super she's most known from in the '90s from the original "I Kissed a Girl" mm-hmm. and the song "Supermodel" from the movie Clueless, yeah, which is great, great. Um, so she came in and she was on 120 minutes. She was a guest host and she um, she talked about it. So here's here's some of that. Okay, I'm here with Jill Sobule. Hi, Sam. Hi. <laughs> We're talking about 120 minutes on MTV. Right. What made 120 minutes different from other live music shows? Well, what they'd have is they'd have a different guest each time introducing the videos so i would play kind of unplugged for mm-hmm. a couple of songs and then i would be a vj mm-hmm. it was really fun a vj which is fun to say yeah vj it, it's, Vig- it's like vag- I'm vagina. Vag- <laughs> <laughs> i was a vj so how many times were you so, on 120 minutes no, I just just once just once and yeah. you and you co-hosted it for 120 minutes <laughs> and it was your thing and well, you just i i brought my friend brad with me who played bass on the track we did together oh amazing yeah and i think he played bass but he also played we brought the little casio you know the little one oh what is it the little casio i'm gonna pull up a clip of this and and play it oh my it. god <laughs> I had on a ridiculous shirt and hairdo. Well, the good thing about a podcast is that you can't see it. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I will just say one thing. I had my curl curly. I, I made curls in my hair. And mm-hmm. before I got on, I had an emergency because my round brush got stuck <laughs> on my head. While you were in hair and makeup for the show? No, no, no. I was doing it at first. And then I thought, I'm going to try to do my own hair before I go in there. 
And then I was at a hotel and asked it, and they were there, and I was I had to leave in 20 minutes to go to the MTV studios. And so I was asking people, like, oh, is there anybody that, that because we tried everything. We tried uh, friend had Astro Lube, you know, put it on there, oh trying to get the brush off the head, my head. So then I said, "Is there anyone here who's a hairdresser?" And there's like ten people raising their hands well, at the hotel lounge, and so oh some God. some guy had to snip some of my hair off, <laughs> so I could make so 120 you went on minutes. MTV just uh, like feeling like a hot mess with your hair. Yeah, just yeah. Oh my god! But probably one side you could see snipped a little bit. And how many songs did you do? I think, I think I only did a couple songs because mm. it was mostly a uh, video show. Yeah. But they showed my videos too. Oh, good. So I think they showed it was the old "I Kissed a Girl." Yeah. With Fabio, and they showed uh, the supermodel video. Oh yeah, yeah. love that video. Two classics. Two classics. Yes. Two classics. Two classics. <laughs> and wait, here's a little... So, she's so, she's so, she's adorable. so adorable. And then here's like a little bit of her, I kissed a girl. Who, she did it first. She she kissed a girl. And she likes it. She came over and told me about Freddy, such a hairy behemoth. She said, dumb as a box of hammers, but he's such a handsome guy. And I opened up and I told about Larry yesterday how he asked me to marry, not giving him an answer yet. Think it can do better and we laugh compare notes. We she's giving me like drink, we had a she looks she's giving me like man like Gwen Stefani vibes. Yeah. <laughs> With that, that look. I kissed a girl. Oh, she's great. Kissed a girl. She kissed a girl. She did. She did. So the kind of things that they were playing on this show were like Nirvana, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Jesus and Mary Chain, Bronsky Beat, New Order, George Clinton, Bjork, Sex Pistols, yeah. Weezer, The Stone Roses, Oasis, 10,000 Maniacs, Butthole Surfers, Radiohead, Kate Bush, on and on and on, Morrissey, The Smashing Pumpkins, Sarah McLaughlin even. Which really? is, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is, it's such a weird trip, like down I mean, 90s yeah. to like hear all of these Absolutely. band yeah. names. And they're all like, um, where, was that kind of just like where all those bands kind of started playing at on the MTV I rotation? I think that was and where they, they were getting like them, yeah. Into like the, the regular one. So it seems to me that MTV 120 was really kind of just where shit was breaking at. Yeah. And there was a quote from, um, from the guy who started the show, um, Dave Kendall, he said, by far the most important thing about 120 Minutes was that it acted as a distribution channel for organic musical produce, if you will. The only other outlet for non-mainstream music at the time was a few local college radio stations, because unlike in the UK, mainstream US radio stations were not open to new ideas. Back then, the word alternative wasn't being used, he said. There was just a hodgepodge of styles punk post-punk gothic synth pop new romantic ska psychedelic yeah um and there wasn't a word for it so as time went on mtv found shows like the real world immensely profitable and the show mm -hmm. found itself being pushed back later and later and later and then it got moved to mtv2 and then eventually it started to just to kind of hang on. Yeah. It was started playing like really commercial music, like some 41 oh. and stained no. and just like completely lost its, Eesh. its way and its yeah. audience. 
And um, then it would just be preempted without any notice by like real world reruns. Wow. And so it was completely taken off the air. But when was it taken off the air? It was ended in 2003. Wow. But yeah, it just was like crazy and anything would go. And they had, they would play like Lollapalooza stuff. This clip of George Clinton with Primal Scream and Flavor Flav. What? From, from Lollapalooza. I don't know. If is, what? It's just so <laughs> extra. It's so crazy. <laughs> That's Flavor. I wonder how much crack was harmed in the making of this. I'm... Oh, oh, oh. Okay, okay. You can't we're, get okay, we're back. You can't get funky this easy. Okay, uh, okay, here we are with George Clinton. We're back here at uh, Lollipop Losers 94 <laughs> here in New York City. George, uh, do you have a microphone up there? Yeah, I got a microphone okay. up here. I don't think a lot of people know oh, that no. you used to be a hairdresser. No, that's Rush. why I'm going to try to do you up here real good. Ow! You're pulling the knots. Oh man, that's your ends up here. Yes. You have to get them retouched. Absolutely. <laughs> George, you're a mess. <laughs> George, I'm trying to figure out where this is. But then they had performances from Radiohead, High and Dry. This is from 1996. Um, yeah, so these are bands that, you know, became really important. Yeah. Performing live on the show at midnight on a Sunday. I didn't know this was like... Oh, you said it was live. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's from um, 120 Minutes. Yeah. That's great. Um, it's, it's funny that I... I'm sure that I've watched the show, you know? I just don't, like, consciously remember, like, being, like, super, like, into it. So it's kind of nuts to think that... Uh, so many of the bands that kind of made up your makeup, oh, yeah. like, uh, like the, the Beastie Boys, yeah, you know, that was like their first introduction to like America, like middle, you know, imagine living in like middle America, like yeah. if you live in New York or LA or whatever, you have exposure to, to more stuff, but yeah. yeah, all the like indie, like gothy weirdos that lived in the Midwest, like this was their jam, yeah, but then they also had it in the UK, which they, which was, um, a completely different show, but they really broke like LCD sound system and TV on the radio and block oh, wow. party and stuff like that in the what UK. Was, what was it? Was it, was the format completely different in, they the, in the UK? They didn't have like the celebrity or the art, artist host that came on. Okay. It was more just like a playlist. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, MTV 120 minutes. Thank you for your contribution to, <laughs> to culture. culture. Um, did you have any favorite, what was your favorite MTV 120 moment that you saw? That, probably that George Clinton one. Yeah. It was just so, just crazy. Also, I watched, I mean, I'm if you if you something. go on YouTube, like, there is so much 120 yeah. minutes just crap just on there. And you can just spend hours and hours watching it. One of the, there's a great interview from uh, David Bowie and Trent Reznor from when they did their tour together from, you know, do you remember oh. that song, um, I'm Afraid of Americans? I'm going to put this in the playlist. Okay. I'm Afraid of Americans was this David Bowie. Also, happy birthday to David. He happy just, birthday. Yeah, we, miss we miss you, you, David. 
he, him and Trent, Trent Reznor did this tour together and there was like interviews of them on there. And then there's all, there's a couple of really good interviews with Oasis who are like, oh <laughs> just like the worst. I have, I have a, a bit of, of a story about Oasis in my story. Those two, I am absolutely fascinated by the, I want there to be a movie made about the, what happened between Noel and Liam Gallagher. Yeah. Like, and I feel like the, Sasha Baron Cohen should play, play both, both of characters. Them. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it needs to happen. Yeah. Like I, I find the relationship to be one of the funniest, most confusing things I have ever. Like, yeah. It's super weird. It's, it's just fucking hysterical. So thanks MTV. Thanks MTV. Um, all right. Okay. So, um, what are you, you're doing MTV unplugged. Yes. Yes. So, um, so I wanted to talk about MTV Unplugged for a few reasons. I would say that like some of the more formative like musical experience that I had experiences that I had were with MTV Unplugged records. Uh, I'm mm. going to talk about sorry. I'm going to talk about a handful of of them um, as we kind of go along. But I also kind of want to just talk obviously in general like how it came to be. Because I went and, you know, obviously had uh, really kind of dug into a bunch of different ones mm-hmm. uh, when I was probably 15. I guess I would start, start that antidote that, oh no, I was 14 when Lauren Hill released her MTV Unplugged right. 2.0 yeah. record. Which, which was kind of nutty. It was kind of nutty, but it my 14 like self then like needed that record. Like yeah. I just was like so into it. Uh, and it's crazy because it's like it's it's so erratic and kind of all over the place and really introspective and very emotional and it was just people were very critical of it very critical of it very critical of it but I took hold of it and like it was the great it was for some odd reason just the greatest thing that just impacted me so much it was like all these emotions it was confusing it was conflicting and it was like everything that was going on in my head too um you know, these like kind of conversations about life and love and God and kind of fame and what that does to you and like how, uh, how that affects your being and like Mm. your, your value of self. Mm. Uh, and it was just kind of like, it was so unexpected, um, to follow up Miseducation of Lauryn Hill with something so like unpolished, you know, uh, because. And people perceived it to be kind of like angry yeah it was i yeah. mean it, it absolutely was in a lot of ways it was a it, in some ways it was kind of like this righteous anger that she had um but she i think and it's crazy because nowadays i think a lot of people are kind of looking back at that record and and, and saying you know like whoa there's actually some like really interesting things that she was saying here uh those songs like like the the actual um the subject matter, uh, whereas like it, it's so it's so varied, you know. She'll she'll be you know really militant in one second, and then be very very, you know, like, uh, kind of what's what I'm looking for? Not pious, but um, righteous. Righteous in a lot of senses, and you know she had a lot of covers. Not a lot of covers. It, it, it kind of did she have like a Bob Marley? She had song. a Bob Marley song that she covered. It was the only thing that like she, no woman no cry. No Bob Marley is this one. Yeah, I remember this. We'll be starting that one again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's just really raw performance in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That voice. I know. Why, 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 why,
They've got so much things to say right now. Oh my God, that um, voice. And it's crazy because everyone, you know, like we're kind of commenting on it to say her voice is cracking and she's not polished and these Mm. songs are repetitive and the guitar uh, is basic and all these things. But it's like, it's not really about that. It's It's called Unplugged, you guys. It's called Unplugged. It's also just like, it was just this like very honest, yeah, uh, very uh, just... It, it, was, it was probably it was not, a retaliation against absolutely. this like pop stardom that she had. Whereas like, it was a kind of perfect fuck you to everybody. Yeah, it's like no, nah, I'm gonna do this be- shit because this is, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. And I don't give a fuck if you like it or not. I'm not gonna come up here and put a bunch of makeup on my face and wear a fancy dress for you. She said <laughs> at the beginning of it, she was literally like, "I used to get dressed up for y'all, but like, I'm not doing that shit anymore." Mm. And one of the things that she says in, in, in one of the tracks that I really enjoyed uh, and that kind of stuck with me my entire life since then is when she said that fantasy is what people want, but reality is what people need. And mm. I've just retired from the fantasy part. Wow. Um, and that's kind of what she's done. Oh my God. I mean, and that's what I think a lot of people, uh, and it's it's ultra relevant in 2017 oh my to God. think of that, Absolutely. to say that as well. And just a sidebar, like not to derail, but I, I was thinking when I was doing my research on this subject too, is that we've the 90s was a retaliation against the 80s Absolutely. you know and i was thinking about being talking to jill and hearing about lauren i was thinking about being a woman in the 90s in the music industry yeah and how so many women were breaking that construct of femininity Absolutely. you know you had Aaliyah wearing baggy pants it's and sports, sports bras, bras tlc you had paula cole growing out her armpit hair mm-hmm all yeah, these women Lil Kim in rock. being very like like explicit as fuck. Yeah, in a lot of ways, and um, and we've taken a step back from yeah. that in so many well, ways. It's, it's funny to be two dudes sitting here talking about women in the like industry. what it feels like to be a woman <laughs> in the nineties. Um, but you know, I, this is just an, as an observer. Anyways, so um, I personally, like I said, I kind of got into MTV Unplugged through this. Uh, actual record yeah uh so i i was like okay uh I was 14 15 at the time and i was like let me just kind of dig into this uh and as such i started listening to a bunch of other of the mtv uh unplugged albums that i, I had uh access to um and i'll get into that in a second but I, let me first talk about just kind of like when mtv unplugged became a thing mm-hmm. and uh how it uh was formed so mtv unplugged uh first aired in 1989 it was uh, November 26th, and then I think the first one was uh, the band Squeeze. Do you remember them? Not, like-ish. Like, I know that they exist. <laughs> so I remember that they exist. I could... I, I, I was like, what is that? Because you just reminded me. You know what's me. really funny? Because the only, I was like, who the fuck is Squeeze? And then I like played like the video of their recording, and it's like this song. Oh, my God. Let me actually play the actual, not the, this is like the real track. Let's play the actual one from, uh, Unplugged. From Unplugged. Squeeze for one is still a very... Is that Kurt Loder's voice? That is. Squeeze for one is still very much with us and still making some of the wittiest and most cleverly crafted pop music around. Um, actually, before we go into this, did I found something really interesting out about Kurt Loder today. What's that? Do you know that he co-wrote Tina Turner's autobiography? I didn't know that. And he I, it's also I, I Tina, Tina. <laughs> and he also contributed to this uh, screenplay for What's Love Got to Do with It. 
Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, Kurt Loder was a big deal. He was a Dude, he was a serious journalist. Serious journalist, like really he loved well respected. Music. He asked the difficult questions. I mean, he was he was he was a dude who told everybody that uh, Kurt uh, Cobain died. I yeah. Yeah. And he read the letter he out. He read that letter out. It's crazy. That man is like... Yeah. No, he was real. musical, like, he's a G. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so back to the band Squeeze. Um, they were the first... I guess we could, it's not really worth even getting into. Um, Squeeze, they were great. Only thing I remember them from is an eHarmony commercial, like, back in the day. Oh, my God. I was listening to the song, and I was like, this is a jingle from eHarmony. Uh, but they... Um, the show, like, right out of the gate was, like, kind of just, like, making some really dope shit after, like, the first season. Um, they had, like, 10,000 Maniacs on. Mm. Uh, it was the last performance that they did with Natalie Merchant. Uh, was their MTV Unplugged. Oh, really? That was the last before televised went, performance before she went and did her own thing. And um, there was a cover, there was a Patti Smith yes, cover from that that was, I'm like, a smash. Which I'm about to fucking play because that shit is Because hot. the night belongs to yeah. us. Yeah, this was a smash. Yeah, it's... And the live version, too. Yes. I remember they played this on the radio. Yeah. Take me now, baby, here as I am. Pull me close and try and understand. Desire is hunger, is the fire I breathe. Love is a banquet on which we feed. Ah, just like, comes bearing right out of the gate. Because the night belongs to us. Because the night belongs to us. Come because through, the night belongs to us. Uh, anyways. Yeah. Total jam. A, yeah, it was a obviously. big deal. Uh, so Whoa. she uh, killed it in that one. I think that uh, early another, another early one was Oasis that we were just talking about. Yeah. Funny story about this one. Uh, they were obviously when they when they were all still in the band and it was still a thing. Um, they were going to perform and then that day, um, Noel was just like, "Nah, I'm good. My voice is like shot." But it, he was like, actually, just showed up like super fucked up and he rehearsed and it was awful. So like, no, you're not performing. Probably just super high. Yeah, no, he was just drunk as fuck. Yeah. Oh. Um, and which sidebar? Did you know that there was a really successful Oasis cover band called No Oasis? Like No, <laughs> no Oasis. <laughs> like, can I come with you? No, no Oasis. Yeah. Um, but no, anyway, that's fucking funny. Um, no, but the funnier part is, so he didn't. He was still at the show though, so he wasn't. So that was actually Liam performed the entire show. What? Which is fine because he wrote all the music, anyways. But, like, Liam performed the entire show, but Noel was sitting up in the balcony just, like, heckling them the entire time <laughs> and just kept drinking. So it's, like, this really crazy story. Those two just obviously uh, did all of that. But, um... Yeah. So, I mean... Siblings. They had some really great performances right out of the bat. There was a couple of really, like, important moments that I, I kind of didn't really even know about. Um, but it was... Uh, the first one was the Yo! MTV Raps Unplugged mm. uh, event. Was that the one uh, with LL That was cool when LL Cool J, Daylight yes. Soul, uh, MC Light. I'd obviously like seen some of the performances, but had never really understood... Like, that was really the kind of first time that, like, 
rap music and like acoustic instrumentation was like ever combined because this wow. is 1991 yeah this is still when hip-hop was very much so like sample centric uh and everything came from like scratching the, they were still very much so like a b-boy mc um dj kind of combo thing yeah uh, and so for them to kind of Breaks. say like uh, no, we're getting rid of all of these kind of like sampled tracks and we're just going to strip this down to like instrumentation. Uh, you had this whole new sound that had never really been explored in, in rap in a real way. I mean, like, what was it? I think like this is 91. So The Roots, their first rec- their first LP didn't come out for like another two years. I think. Mm. Um, when did it come out? Right. Didn't Organic come out in like 90? 394 or something like that that sounds Anyways, about right um i mean i would yeah they've been around that so long. like that's like i know that they were a band back then but like that whole sound wasn't like really a thing yet um mm-hmm. so like when you have like ll going on stage and doing um because people were only performing live with backing tracks that's true in hip-hop that was yeah it. that was it or but a dj cutting like actually in the back i did want to play this one uh day last soul uh track from Ring 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 when they performed uh, oh yeah so this is like like you, you listen to this and like you say this sounds like the roots you know what I mean it's it, that was kind of like this was like when that song that sound was like really kind of being explored this is actually my voicemail song by the way if you ever call me (laughs) and you don't reach me that's what you'll hear the the original version yeah um it's great um so like it it was just it's kind of nuts like because i I didn't really think about that and 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 wasn't really sure just because i knew like uh moving forward you know they had you know like Mm. jay-z's um unplugged album was another which was later it was a lot later a lot later obviously like yeah it was like i think like 99 or so yeah but that was was amazing still in in, in another weird way you know to bring kind of even fuller circle like the roots backed him on that uh at that event Mm. so when they performed together it was also very interesting because i think a lot of times people forget that like back in the day like jay-z was hood as fuck you know what i mean like so for him to be like kind of uh with the roots who are always on this kind of like classy hip-hop kind of like conscious hip-hop yeah uh band philly and it's like really like they're musicians like they're not like they're they they are they are a hip-hop group but they are musicians they're active like Cool. like that's what they do this would be with some like you they're know like music conservatory a dude like, you know yeah. who was uh who had just kind of at the time was known as a guy uh who had the song with the annie sample he was just kind of exploding <laughs> like that yeah. was i mean like obviously was that the like hood, blueprint the blueprint yeah era, but like yeah. The, the like the hood knew who jay-z was obviously yeah. but like when i'm talking like like you know this was before he was america this was before he was a Knowles carter you know like right. this is way before all that stuff <laughs> Uh, and like that was this was a, a big introduction to like a general like huger MTV audience. Like he had been on Yo MTV Raps and all kinds of other things like that. But like his like kind of performance like kind of cemented him as being like the Jay Z that we know now. Mm. Um, and wow, which probably changed the way he like was a, as a live act because yeah. I remember after that he be, did become a really big live touring. Act yeah, he with really a did. live band with a live band, and that was it was a it's a big deal. It kind of changed the way people did things, but also it's kind of nuts too to think, like the combination back in the day of like the Roots and Jay Z doing like a a record together or like doing performing together. I was like, what, what what can I compare that to? And I was like, the only thing I was thinking was like, if like 
Mickey Blanco and like Little Yachty like did a record together. <laughs> no, that's that makes no sense. Exactly. That's what this was. That makes, and it made Oh my god, that makes that makes way less sense than the Roots and Jay-Z did. What is what, what would you can be like two like opposite spectrum? Because the weird thing is like nowadays hip hop is so integrated in the sense of like these different kind of like you don't have like the idea of like solid like gangster rap anymore versus your conscious hip hop versus your like dirty also, south. Also you don't versus... have any actual music. Yeah. Like there's no people playing there's like well that's not true. Like if I think there's a, there is definitely two separate things going on in hip hop. Yeah. You like have you've got like your, your Kendrick, you have your Anderson Pack, you have like this return to sort of yeah. jazz and soul influence records and then you have this like super like Mumble rap. Mumble trap. Which I love that shit. I yeah. love it all. But I mean, like, it's all, it is all the turn up. It's all the turn up. But like, what is it? You know, like, yeah. that's what I'm getting at. Like these two opposite ends. It would be more like together. if Anderson Pack and Lil Yachty. Made a record together. Yeah. I would actually like, that shit would probably be really hot. Um, okay. But anyhow, um, kind of getting back to like my personal experience with MTV Unplugged. Uh, the other big record that I kind of fell in love with after kind of digging into uh, the MTV Unplugged series, mm. uh, was Eric Clapton. Yeah. Um, which introduced me to, honestly, at 15 years old, like, I had listened to blues music, but I hadn't, like, understood what it was in, like, a sense that, like, I, like, really love it in the way that I do now was because I listened to that record in a weird mm. way. And it opened up a lot of other doors for me musically, which is, you know, I think a lot of people did, too. Um, MT- uh, his MTV Unplugged, uh, taping was really was really interesting for a few reasons um it was less than a year after his son who was uh four uh died um so it was like kind of tears in heaven heaven was on that record which is oh my god i'll play that that was a big selling album it was a big unplugged his unplugged it's it was the first record to go diamond what the very first one Mm -hmm. 10 million copies but what Um, about thriller no this was the first one the first one to go diamond. What? Yeah. Shut up. The hand of God. God, is he lying? <laughs> and it's crazy, like, hang on, I'll just let this play for a little yeah. bit. Tone. He just it, the beautiful thing tone. about that song, the thing that that's the most I have actual goosebumps. Um, is if you think about what that song is, and I encourage everybody like go to the playlist and check it out. Like that entire and honestly, listen to Eric Clapton's Unplugged like album. It is just packed with like just everything you need from a record in general. But he, you know, was talking about kind of what that song was inspired by, and it's like you know he says you know. Uh, the idea that that we kind of cling to when loved ones die is that you know we'll see them again, uh, and if you kind of have any doubts in regards to like your belief in the afterlife or whatever or what that ever means, like, is death really the end? Like, is is am I hoping for something? If I find you in heaven, are you going to remember who I am? Mm. Like, that song is like to 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 know that that was being written by a man to his like four year old child who had just passed is. It's devastating. Mm. Uh, and then he followed that up with a track 
um, called My Father's Eyes um, that was ac- wasn't actually on the original broadcast, uh, nor was on the original album, but and the, they released a deluxe one, which is the first one that I listened to. Um, and uh, it's a, like a heartbreaking song. song about the fact that he didn't know his father growing up, and the closest thing that he ever saw his father was looking into the eyes of his son. Uh, which is another, like, obviously really fucking intense thing to say. Mm. I saw that again. <laughs> oh, there's a theme. There's a theme. <laughs> there's, a, there's a through line in all of these that no one can seem to get their fucking instruments right. I have to get my cues better, you know? That was a 40. That was a, almost a minute-long introduction. I was actually really enjoying that. I was enjoying it as well, but... That sort of, like, sitari... That's not actually a guitar. There's, like, another instrument. It was the, um... The... What is it called? Like a... Is it a... Broke mandolin. A, he had, like, a slide guitar there as well, but that mm. wasn't a slide guitar, obviously. I think that was a mandolin. That was a mandolin? I'm yeah. gonna... Yeah. Um... I'm gonna step out on a limb and say it a, was mandolin. a mandolin. I trust you. I trust you. Anyhow, that was my so, girl, a mandolin. A mandolin. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that the the track that kind of got me the most, well, two of the tracks that got me the most. First one, before you accuse me, classic, classic blues track. But like that kind of got me like, oh, this is a dope ass song, and like I just kind of started getting really into blues as a result of that. So shout outs to to Clapton for doing that one because I love the blues and it's my shit. Also. Um, another, I wanted to recommend people to read this book that, uh, is one of my favorites by Miri Baraka. It's called Blues People. Um, I, it's, if you want to know, it's about, uh, music, black music specifically in the United States. And he traces it from the very fucking beginning. And it's a really, wow. really amazing, uh, and beautifully written and really thoughtful. Uh, so if you want to know more about kind of like, uh, it helped me kind of understand like the, the, the through line through from, from bluegrass and blues and country music all the way to like electronic music in a, in, a, in a sense to see kind of like how how this black sound has kind of just spread and changed and mm. morphed and grown over the years and uh it's yeah. it's a great book so i definitely wow. say check it out blues people mary baraka it's a shit blues um, people shout out to mary baraka um so anyhow we have to play layla because it's you can't not uh because he fucked this song all entirely the all the way up yeah. and it's unbelievable see if you can spot this one I love him starting it out like a little cheeky note this is like the iconic version of this song too it's it's exponentially better than the original yeah and the original's amazing yeah but this is the version this is the this is how it was meant to be yeah these all these musicians too are like uh, killing. I mean, it. it's Eric Clapton. He's like the best guitarist in the world. What will you do when you lonely? Oh, his voice. So good. 
Thank you for reminding me of yeah. how great that album was, yeah. A, yeah. and just for playing that because, my God, like, it's actually making me, like, happy that it exists and, yeah. that, and that MTV exists, but also really sad yeah. that we don't have anything like that culturally now yeah. that um, is showcasing real musicianship and talent in, in that a, in a way. That's accessible. Area. That's accessible yeah, that's, for that's everyone. What, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, it's 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 wow. it's, it's, a, it's a thing to say that like uh, the beautiful thing about MTV Unplugged, uh, beyond the fact that it it kind of it relaunched his career, it relaunched so many other. It introduced careers, him it introduced to like a him whole gen- so new generation. People, yeah, so many people. Because that um, was my sort of that was my introduction, introduction to, him. to him. Absolutely, yeah. that was my introduction to him. Uh, and the great thing about that record in particular uh, was not only just that it was. It's such a, an emotional performance because, like I said, it was immediately, like, not immediately, it was, like, months after um, his the son had his died. Son, yeah. And then he fell out even, of a even window. A window, yeah. the 54th floor. Mm. Just crazy. Um, but it was also, like, a year after Stevie Ray Vaughan died. Oh, in my a God. Plane in crash. a crash. It was yeah. a helicopter crash. Oh, was it a helicopter crash? I think crash? so. Yeah, I thought it was a plane crash. But they were on I tour together. And they were friends, crash. you know? like So, like, two major Let's losses in your life. That. And then you're... He had, you know, gotten sober because of his son as well. You know, like Eric Clapton, you know, very famously like dealt with, you know, uh, drug and alcohol addiction and, and got clean because he got to see, you know, he had a son and saw that you know, that was de- definitely a need uh, for him to um, uh, to sober up for that crash. helicopter yeah. crash. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 crazy. Um, so for him to be going through that and kind of talking through his emotions in that sense and performing all these really personal songs, but also kind of really show, obviously showcasing his talent as even as an acoustic uh, instru- uh, a player because like he's was known for being able to play an electric guitar like it's somebody's business. Mm. Like, but for him to settle down like that and to kind of talk through his his love of the blues uh, and like how it's shaped him and his sound and his appreciation for music and it's just really beautiful kind of like uh, overview of that but it was a it was a big moment it won six grammys in total wow obviously like i said first record to go diamond big deal what I, that's um, still like i don't actually believe you on that up. i got the receipts bro i got the receipts <laughs> well um, you can just go ahead and forward those to my account because <laughs> I, I i need to see these i will um but yeah i mean i, I also wanted to uh chat in, in general kind of MTV unplugged of my like favorite other moments that were yeah. you know Lauren or Jay Z or I find it interesting that you haven't mentioned Mariah yet. I am getting there. okay <laughs> because <laughs> I knew that you were gonna have some fucking moments with that. Um, but before we get there, uh, the only other person uh, who's like not the only other person. There are a lot of really great performances on MTV unplugged, obviously. But other one that I like oddly got really into was Alicia Keys's. Uh, Oh really? MTV Unplugged. When was that recorded? That was like two thousand and five, I want to say. It debuted at number one. Wow. That record did. <laughs> she had this really great. Uh, yes. Yeah. Diary. With Tony, Tony, Tony. Yes, uh, I remember but this. But this is like Tony, Tony, Tony wasn't there. But the guy who was like, it's just we'll get into this. Yes. She really thrives in this yeah, she does. sort of a, se- a setting. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint. 
just coming in there. I like to call that the Anita Baker approach. You know, when you slide into a song. Hey. Alicia Keys' tone is really nice in that yeah, register. It is. It is. It's perfect. That was a good one. Maxwell had another great one. Yes. Oh my God. Where he did that was where he first did that Kate Bush cover. Uh, Shout out to Maxwell. Shout out to Maxwell. Hey buddy. This one right here. Hey. This is very prince. Very funky. It's very yeah. prince. Yeah. We should call this show instrumental intros of songs. It is. That's kind of basically what all I've been doing. <laughs> That's what I've, That's I've what I've been doing. Yeah, like I said, I need to I gotta get better on my cues. You know, episode three is gonna be like so <laughs> tight, you guys. Are be... The cues are gonna be on point. Yeah. We have to get somebody here to like just execute all of our cues. Like, uh, excuse me, Brian. Cue track two, please. Thank you. Track two. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> it's gonna be Brian. I don't care who we should it just is. pretend that Brian, Brian, is, Brian is a thing. Yeah, yeah, Brian. Like, hey, Brian, Thanks, Brian, do you have my chai? Do you have my chai? Can you make that a dirty almond chai? Almond milk? How dare, How dare you? You know that almonds take up too much water. I'm trying to decrease my carbon footprint. God <laughs> damn, damn it, it, Brian. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, um, and there was so the Maxwell one. Also, he did. I remember the Kate Bush cover. Of this woman's work. Yes. Or it's called, is that what it's called? Yeah, right here. Yes. Beautiful. I mean. I hate that every time I hear that song. All I think about is love and basketball now. Oh no! See, I don't. I have don't know why. Anything to do with that? I don't. Oh, it's it's great, beautiful song as well. I, I also really like. Don't participate uh, in, that. in love and basketball. Oh, that was that was that was my movie back in the day. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's discuss obviously the classic Mariah. MTV Unplugged. Oh, I'm so glad, because I thought you were just going to, like, pretend that... No, no, no. No, no, no. I wanted to talk about it uh, for a few reasons, because, like, this was, like, 1992. This was, like, young, fresh... Oh, my God. Original like, nose. Original, original nose, like, original Flat voice. chested I mean, just, like, classic, beautiful, unbelievable, like, flawless Mariah vocals. Yeah. Yes. Through and through. But also, this was like... And a if big... you were born in the 90s or in the 2000s and you are like 12 or you're 15 and you only know Mariah as this sort of like Las Vegas showgirl... Show yeah. You got please, another fucking please, thing coming. Please. Dig into this shit. Dig into this because she... I mean, she was like one of the best vocalists. Of all time. Of all time. That's the thing. Like, she can do whatever the fuck she wants now. She can go up on stage and, like, not sing a song and prance around because she's a Mariah fucking Carey. And she deserves that. Well, apparently. Apparently she can. And she did. (laughs) Apparently she can. And she... Well, that was great. (laughs) (laughs) No, but she really used to sing down. Let's, uh, let's start with this one. Okay. Okay. This next song was my first single. Mm. Ever. (laughs) She sounds so different now. She does. Also, listen to her get down in the basement on these notes, too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, 
What did you have? What did you have? Tell me. Oh, and How what was, was it? it? <laughs> what did you have? You don't say so. Oh, <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait. Don't stop. Okay. I will. Yeah. Oh, God. God damn you, Mariah. Fucking A. Anyways, so. Oh, and that was the biggest selling this um, one was unplugged un- album. It, yeah, I mean, after after uh, Clapton, of course. Yeah. But, but this of one all was time, big... it was. No, no, no. Clapton. It wasn't? But this 10 sold million. 15 million. This sold 15 million? Yeah. Did it? Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, I got my research wrong. Yeah, um, but I mean, it was later. No, it was, years was later. later. But no, it sold 15, yeah, it's like 15 million copies. Million. But it's crazy because, like, if you think about it, like, even back in the day, like, people were like, she can't sing this live. Oh, yeah. Like, she couldn't. Because she like, was they, like they, a little they, pop. No, they said that she couldn't do it. And this album, her coming out with, uh, she do, her doing this MTV Unplugged performance, was just like a big fuck you to everybody who mm. said, like, she couldn't do it. She's like, all right, you don't think I can? Watch me, bitch. Watch mm-hmm. me do this. And so she did. She killed it. Yeah. Um, she had uh, also the other, my other favorite one is her uh, cover of I'll Be There. Yeah. Um, Which is totally iconic. The Incredible Jackson 5. And it's always been one of my favorite songs. And we hope it's yours. It's called Oh, she there. sounds so young and cute. She does. This is before Tommy Matola or during. This was during, I think. Shaka go It's just, yeah. It's just a good one. Um, it's a really good one. Yeah. So I had that on cassette. You did. I had it on motherfucking cassette tape. Hell yes. And I would listen to it in the back seat of my car, in my little Walkman. <laughs> Probably trying to hit those notes. Everyone does. I yeah. still try and hit them. I'm a grown ass <laughs> so man. So does she. She does. Oh god. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. So I mean, MTV Unplugged. Obviously, like in, in kind of closing. Uh, an iconic series that really introduced it reintroduced a lot of people to different uh different uh, artists i mean like um uh what am i trying to say what's his name paul I mccartney mean, oh yeah did one. he was one of the early he ones, was one of the early right? ones yeah. like really was responsible for making it like a really big deal um there was rod stewart's performance that was a, was amazing uh brooke springsteen also performed bob dylan did one the cranberries uh, Alanis Morissette, Alanis Morissette, uh, Natalie Imbruglia, mm. um, Allison Chains, um, uh, the Coors, uh, but uh, it kind of fell off a little bit. Um, obviously, as everything what as you were saying, hey, with, what uh, didn't fall off with um, MTV kind of changing their format into like being largely reality television based? Mm. But they did announce last year that they're bringing MTV Unplugged back. 
Okay. Um, I thought I heard that. Yep. So it's coming back. I don't I don't really know in what fashion it's going. I think it'll probably be living online or something like that. But they're bringing back the, the Unplugged for, uh, show. Good. Um, uh, probably sometime this year. So I think that's I'm looking really... forward to that because I honestly think it would be, I think if they did it right, it'd yeah. be really, it'd be really great. Like they could, and it's, it'd be really simple too. Um, just to get people in there to like kind of do I mean, that would be really willing you could to have do it. Kendrick, you could have Kendrick, you could have you could have Kendrick, you could have Anderson, you could have yeah. um, would only be those two people. Only those two people. That's all I really want to see. Um, no, there's a lot of people. Let me think. You could have the Chainsmokers. <laughs> <laughs> God, please don't. <laughs> Yeah, second thought, let's just let's just shelve this idea. You know what? There you know what? isn't good. the thing is though, in top forty music today, there's not a lot of people that could really pull it off. Could really pull it and off. And that is that's the T. That's a yeah. It's a fact. Um, um well hey, I mean that's MTV unplugged. Um so and, yeah. you know, MTV just to also wrap up about MTV, like it, it was so huge and it and it and it's it, important it's so important it's so important and change the game they now have mtv classic which is a channel yes. which i've recently been watching yes um which is, playing which all is the old great shit. it plays a, and but i really would love them to play if you guys are listening mtv classics like i know the producers are listening to this right now hi. we would hi <laughs> we would love to see some of this original content like absolutely uh, mtv unplugged 120 minutes even some of this like trl give me give me like, like the first five seasons of TRL. Come on. And I will not leave my house. I am not fucking kidding. I will sit there in my underwear and I will watch Carson Daly stale, boring ass interview anybody. Samantha Mumba. Oh yes, my please. God. Wow. Um, anybody on there. Oh, like just, okay. just let's, Samantha let's, Mumba. let's dig back into there. You know, wow. give me some O Town interviews. <laughs> Uh, let's oh, let's get shit. on a let's do like a a New Year's Eve performance with a Britney Spears or Mariah Carey bringing Mariah ice Carey cream bringing ice cream or you know taking a bath with her dog yeah like let's do all that Jerry again. Hallowell rolling through with her first po- Spice Post Spice Girls <laughs> music video which was what what was it that? was Look at Me oh. oh man I know that shout outs Jerry hey Geraldine um so yeah uh definitely I would. I mean, I'm all about the whole MTV classic idea because um, they need to make that happen. They absolutely need to. It would be great if they did like a this year. It would be like, okay, we're going to play the episode of TRL that was on uh, January whatever, mm-hmm. 1999. So you're just like going through the year. Yeah. That would be great. I'd love to see that. Yeah. It would be good. Mm-hmm. Baby, um, come on over to me. We, we can make it all right. Take a piece of my heart. I wonder how many actual people listening to this even know that that's Samantha Mumba. Everybody knows that song. Really? I hope so. If you don't, you're doing it fucking wrong. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, I'll end on this. I remember trying to download that song on like 90 kilobytes per second internet oh yes it I took like, like six yeah. hours you'd have to I would like leave, song from I'd leave to go to like somewhere like oh where am I going? i'm gonna go to like church on like a wednesday night or something like that download like my like set all my shit up on yeah. like napster and or come like back and wire or whatever like god damn it all uh, i want to do is get down yeah um, um so yeah thank you mtv Thank you for listening. Thank you. If you have any corrections, amendments, or you want to like throw us any sort of tidbits of tidbits, information, information, context of sound at gmail.com. Yes. We're on Twitter. Twitter at 
at Context of Sound. At Context of Sound as well. In theory, that's contextofsound.com. It's coming. It's coming. Don't rush me, because like <laughs> y'all are doing too much. Um, We're going to have our playlist on Spotify playlist, yeah. and, 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 and Apple Music. Apple, Apple Music, yeah. Um, so check that out. Again, uh, rate and subscribe uh, on iTunes and all that shit. Uh, let us know how we're, how you we're doing. If there's any suggestions that you have for us, any feedback, if you just want to tell us that we're generally really great and super attractive, that'd be cool too. Yeah, and just keep your booty fresh. Keep it fresh. Keep it right and keep it tight. Um, so yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the episode two. Um, y'all take care now. Peace. Baby, come on. <laughs> yeah, we, we can make, make it all right. Take a piece of my heart And go from the start You say that you want me Again and again Oh yeah You say that you need me To be more than just a friend So I thought about it And maybe you're right I've been checking your records And they seem alright Oh my god Oh my god wow she did that. Make it all right, Is this a Max Martin production? Sounds like yeah. it. <laughs> Alright, bye y'all. Alright, peace.